You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Inertia, brand new from Baldy Longhair Records. Hello, Baldy Longhair. Mentioned him last week, gonna mention him again. Hello, Todd. Todd sent me a cassette here of a release that he's done, and it's one of the most amazingly packaged cassettes I've seen in a long time. People are really into cassettes these days, but this particular cassette is just so amazingly packaged, and the music sounds great too. Inertia with illiteracy slash opening up the amazing lyric sheet, Discalculia. That's from Inertia, brand new from Inertia on an Ardwarda Human Serviette radio show. Actually, because it's a cassette, it doesn't actually have the track listed in order on the actual cassette. So I'm not sure if that actually was the track. But regardless, Baldy Long Hair Records, check them out. 
please. And also make sure you investigate inertia. And you can check out inertia at inertiamovement.wordpress.com. That's inertiamovement.wordpress.com. And we just heard inertia on Baldy Long Air Records from New Jersey. Today on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with from UK, U.K. Alt J from the UK on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And to prepare you for Alt J, have a bunch of tracks I'm going to play. Going to kick it off with right here something from the Kazanets Cats Singing Orchestra, Quick Joey Small. Then going to follow up by the Watersons and then an interview with Alt J on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. So here, before the Watersons with 30-foot trailer, here's the Kazanitz Cats Singing Orchestra with Quick Joey Small. The Kazanitz Cats Singing Orchestra Circus with Quick Joey Small on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio show. Bye. 
farewell to the life of a rover. Farewell to the tent and the old caravan. To the tinker, the gypsy, the travelling man, and farewell to the thirty-foot trailer. Farewell to the cant and the travelling tongue, farewell to the Romany token, the buying and selling, the old fortune telling, the knock on the door and the hawking. Farewell to the tent and the old caravan, to the tinker, the gypsy, the travelling man, and farewell to the thirty-foot trailer. You've got to move fast to keep up with the times, for these days a man cannot wander. As a pilot to say you must be on your way, and another to say you can't wander. Farewell to the tent and the old caravan, to the tinker, the gypsy, the travelling man. Farewell to the thirty-foot trailer. Farewell to the besoms of heather and broom. Farewell to the creel and the basket. For the folks of today, they would far sooner pay for a thing that's been made out of plastic. Farewell to the tent and the old caravan, to the tinker, the gypsy, the travelling man. Farewell to the thirty-foot trailer. Farewell to the pony, the cob and the mare. By the reins and the harness are idle. You don't need a strap when you're breaking up scrap. So farewell to the bits and the bridle. Farewell to the tent and the old caravan. To the tinker, the gypsy, the travelling man. Farewell to the thirty-foot trailer. Farewell to the fields where we've sweated and toiled At pulling and showing and lifting They'll soon have machines and there's travelling coins And the men folk had better be shifting Farewell to the tent and the old caravan to the tinker, the gypsy, the travelling man, and farewell to the thirty-foot trailer. Who are you? We're Alt-J, I'm Gwil. Gwil, could you please introduce Alt-J? Uh, this is Gus. Hello. Hello. And then Joe. Hello. And then Tom. Hello. Hello, Alt-J! Hello. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you for the welcome. Right off the bat, I have a gift for you guys. Yes. yes. <laughs> and what the gift is, is it's a Dr. Dre 12 oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, Excellent. Nice. Now, what's the connection between Alt-J and Dr. Dre? Well, you, that's your first album you ever bought. 2001 was the first album I ever bought. And um, we have a Dr. Dre mashup kind of cover that we play in our set at the moment. There's a lot of connections. And we also said famously that we wanted them to produce our next album. And then a lot of people printed this and repeated this everywhere. And our real producer got really hurt. 
honor, though, to be mentioned in the same breath as Dr. Dre. I know, I know. Tell me about it. We're massive fans, and that is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, can't, I want to play it. I want to play it now. And that's another cover for you to conquer. But you guys have tried other covers, haven't you? Like, wasn't there a chance that you guys were going to actually cover Johnny Cash? There was uh, not, not really a chance, but um, a pitch. I mean, what happened? Uh, well, we turned it down like a uh, sack of... I don't know. What do you turn down? A, a bed... A sack of uh, post-crisps. <laughs> yeah. Pre-crisps. Exactly. Pre-crisps. Pre-crisps. I don't know what she means by that. But, um, yeah, we all got offered a commercial from a crisp brand, and we they wanted us to cover Johnny Cash and film it, and we said, no thanks. And another cover you guys do, College. You do the band College? Yeah, yeah. Just me and Gus. We do a cappella. And um, we... What do you say about the band College for the people that don't know? Well, they're French. There's two of them, and they're very, very uh, talented people. Um, but I only know um, a real hero. That's the only song I know. Um, yeah, yeah. But they're great. And so, a cappella version of the college, if you want. Oh, I, I didn't. Oh, really? Yes, please go ahead. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on then. Real. Yeah, okay. Real, 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 real human being. And a real hero, real human being. That's what you're getting. <laughs> All Jay in action at the Commodore. Yep. Now, if we had one person here, he could have reviewed that song. Who might have that been? A person that you love and rep big time, the needle. Drop. Anthony Fontano. Yeah. yeah. What can you tell the people about Anthony Fontano? Your love for Anthony Fontano, the needle drop. It's big. Tom's is, Tom has big love. Yeah, he's he's my he's one of my main, main sources of new music. He's brilliant. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's very on point, and uh, he only reviews what he wants to review. And I like that he reviews. You know, you might review what a black metal album one week, and I'll review Tyler Creator next week. It's great. It's good. And he's big as well. He's massive, apparently. Yeah, burly bloke. Yeah. And if he's watching this right now, any message at all from Alt J to the Needle Drop? Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you were very fair about our album. Yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. fair. Very, very well yeah. balanced. Well balanced. He gave you eight out of ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's fairly good. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Indeed. <laughs> oh, Jay, here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You mentioned your record. You have a song called Matilda. Now, I was curious, the recording process of Matilda, there's some, like, bus in the background of Matilda? Yeah, we uh, recorded it in a studio which d- didn't have any um, soundproofing, and it was very hot, so we had to keep a window open, and then buses kept going past because it was in central London. And you didn't try another take? I don't think we were aware it was on, the f- on that take, and that take was good. So where can people hear it if they want to hear it? Like, is it right at the beginning, right at the end? Where can you hear it? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know oh, It's towards it, the end Doesn't it? No it's, it's oh. in the opening This is from This is from Matilda It's then it goes yeah. And that's it It's at the end as well They might have um, might Repeated have it Yeah looped it was a it. kind of Hydraulic hiss From a, a bus yeah. or lorry At yeah. the end oh, really Maybe there's yeah. Door noise so It was so good You guys looped it Yeah, yeah that happens <laughs> That happens sometimes Oh Jay The importance Joe Of mushrooms uh, Well they've been Extremely important um, In my life uh, To date I took them once and uh, it changed me forever. Um, uh, yes. Joe is here because of mushrooms. Yeah, probably. Maybe. That's why the band came together, mushrooms. Could you please explain, Gwil? Uh No, it's pri- I think it's private, isn't uh, it? Is it? <laughs> I mean, it's your story. You tell your, tell your own story, Joe. 
Um, well, uh, I took mushrooms in the first year of university and um, I started feeling sick. And <laughs> apparently that's meant to happen. Uh, I, I went back to my room because I thought I was pranging out. Uh, and then I ended up riding that wave on my own in bed and uncovered some very deep, deep-seated issues which i dealt with like an absolute pro <laughs> and i am the man who i am today. for a few weeks no you went yeah went. you left i went I, I this is a real trip this is not a joke this is a real trip yeah yeah, yeah. and something happened and i don't know i i i i i seem to write better songs after that it's like steve jobs i think steve jobs had a similar thing where he did mushrooms and then changed the way he saw Coded. computing and electronics and stuff yeah so thank you mushrooms yep I was wondering, mushrooms, Juicy Lucy Burger, is that one of your favorites? Well, it used to be, yeah. Where is that? Could you explain, are there mushrooms on a Juicy Lucy Burger? And what is a Juicy Lucy Minneapolis Burg? Two-part question. Juicy Lucy is from Minneapolis. It's like a burger which has uh, cheese in the middle. And um, you can get it with mushrooms. I had one once with mushrooms and Swiss. Classic burger filling. However, I'm a vegetarian now, so I don't eat them anymore, sadly. Yeah, but they're really good. You've got to watch out because the cheese is very, very hot in the middle of the patty. And we saw it on Man vs. Food. We probably waited about half an hour before eating them because we were warned about how hot the cheese was. How much of the Man vs. Food do you follow? <laughs> well, it's kind of on. Whenever you put TV on in England, it's just on, on, on this channel called Dave, which I think is for like men who maybe follow the news a bit, but like maybe don't necessarily you know, know everything, who like cars and politics. If we head back to Cambridge right now... Okay. We could go to the Maypole Pub. <laughs> yes, we could. Now, at the Maypole Pub, did you run into an all-girl drinking team? Whoa. I don't know how you know. Yeah, you, we were there. It was, a, it was a, they're called the... Um, Black Widows? Widows, because they were there. And we were like, oh, there's loads of fit girls behind us. And they were completely ignoring us, even though we're like, clearly... Famous. Back up a second here. An all-girl drinking team. Please explain. Well, they're called the Black Widows, and they're part Jesus of. College. They're from Jesus College, and they have a brother group called Caesarians. Caesarians, and they go out every Whenever. Thursday. Should we say Thursday? Yeah. They go out every Thursday and get absolutely battered in Cambridge, and um, they take over the town, and they're almost like an army of people who uh, intimidate the locals. But there's no violence; it's just loud. Like ballyhooing, and you guys were caught in the middle of it. What happened? Um, well, we kind of sat there hoping that they talked to us because we didn't know who they were really. And then we slowly we were listening. They were playing "Never Have I Ever," and they were like, "Never Have I Ever Had a Cesarean." And I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and then, uh, and then suddenly they left, and all these lads in togas came in, and we were like, and then they were like cesareans forever, and all this kind of banter. And um, and my friends who went to Jesus College, I was like, "What's all this about?" And he filled me in. Yeah. What about the gents of Saint John? <sighs> I don't know, honestly, I don't know what you missed. I don't know what that is. Like a chorister group. You're into choristers, aren't you, Gus? I was a chorister, yeah. Yeah, at Ely Cathedral. Like the Copper family, the Watersons. What can you tell people about those particular groups? You can. The, the Copper family are from Sussex. They're from a place called Rottingdean, which is quite near where my mum's from in Sussex. And um, the Watersons are from Yorkshire. They're like the north and south folk families of England. The history in Cambridge is amazing, isn't it, Tom? Uh, very amazing. Now, is it true there's some Pink Floyd pub connections there? Yes, there is, um, and I, I can't remember the name of it. Gwil might know. The Anchor. The Anchor. There it is. Pink Floyd played their first gig at the Anchor? According to a really garish mural, which is in the Anchor, yes. <laughs> so you were just in there one day and looked at the mural? I've never been there. We went there with Stuart Stubbs. Yeah, before he took us, we took him punting. 
or after, during. What does it look like? It's by the it's by the mill pond. It's the one that's not oh. the mill. Oh yeah, I have been there. I didn't even know this fact. Yeah. You're you're a Pink Floyd fan. Yeah, I know. Rabbit. It seems like you guys don't really know what's going on. Like you don't know where you go. Does that happen often? <laughs> yes. It like, re- Joe wasn't sure. You guys don't know where you were in the pub. Actually, that's very good, isn't it? You shouldn't know that you went to a pub, should you? No, no. I, for some reason, I remember. And what I was wondering is, there's that band Cat's Eyes, and I noticed they're from England. They played in the Vatican. So could all Jay do the ship of fens? It's on the cards. It's on the cards. We shall see. Yeah. Have there been any gigs there at all? Yeah, they they have. They used to have this um, uh, yearly. Um, maybe they still do. Uh, thing called Rave in the Nave, where um, like young people were invited in, and they had bands, and it was pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys got a hold of Danny Brown at all yet? Have I got a hold of him? Are you trying to get a hold of Danny Brown to do some collaborations? Not actively. Maybe uh, that would be great, but we haven't actually tried. Uh, would you like to try right now? Okay, Danny Brown, if you fancy it, come just come and hang out. You know, we've both got Ableton on our computers, so you can just do that, maybe. Joe can sing over it. You can... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, honestly, that'd be great. So I have a gift for you here, an EPMD record. Yes. EP. EP. And I also have something for you, Joe, here, because I think you do like the DJ Shadow, don't you? Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I do love DJ Shadow. I used to, when, uh, like when I was in year nine, I only really listened to one track uh, ever, and that was DJ Shadow, Blood on the Motorway. I only used to, used to listen to that, and uh, he's fantastic. Yeah, introducing his first album is pretty spectacular. Now, going way back, number 12, Ashgrove? Oh, yes. We lived there. No, no, we lived there. No, that was Ash Grove. Where did we live? Asheville. Asheville. 12 Asheville Grove, and you lived at 15 Ash Grove. Oh, yeah. I lived in both. Yeah. Yeah. So, was that where the DJ shadowing was going on? Uh, Yes. I guess I was curious. The Leeds scene, the number 12 Ashgrove, what was it like there? Did, like, Sky Larkin come over for tea or anything like that? Uh, Sky Larkin didn't come over for tea, unfortunately. But we did see her later, in a couple of years later, when she, she was performing with Wild Beasts, or one of them, yeah. Sky Larkin, Katie Larkin. Indeed, she plays with Wild Beasts now. Uh, what about the hardcore scene in Leeds? What's that like? Well, I used to really like a band called Forward Russia. Do you remember Forward Russia? They were like a Leeds um, uh, band who were very hardcore. And I suppose there's, like, there's the pub, the uh, um, Pack Horse, which was where like Gang of Four did their first gig and stuff, and all these big uh, bands played, I think. But we don't really know a lot about Leeds. Now, number 12, Ashgrove. Was that near Papinas? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. It, Papinas was right down the road, yeah. What is Papinas, for the people that don't know? It's, it's kind of like, um, I suppose it's kind of like a builder's greasy spoon breakfast cafe like diner an english diner which we call a greasy spoon it's um it's 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 great if you're hungover how many meals were eaten there uh 13 <laughs> uh, but they did what did they do they the did that breakfast the challenge yeah, go on. which tom completed and you, you're supposed to get a keyring when you complete it what's in the make a breakfast challenge tom uh it's it's basically an english breakfast it's sausages hash browns Bacon, eggs, black pudding, baked beans, fried tomato, fried bread, toast, coffee. Um, coffee all over. C- yeah, cold coffee. You didn't get your, your keyring. No, They'd run out. And yeah, I ate you a. You get a keyring if you win. Yeah, because I did it once and got the keyring, but poor old Tom will tell you what happened. Yeah, I didn't get a keyring. And you had a big bowl of porridge. I had a, yeah, well, Bef- I had a bowl of muesli before because I didn't know that we were going to do it. No. So I was full as fuck already. 
and then uh, I struggled with this meal. But you managed it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was really impressive. You were really sweating. Huh? It was. Yeah, I felt drunk. And you guys are alt. Jay. In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I know you're Alt J because I've seen photos of you, Alt J. Whose idea is it for the promo pics? They're incredible. Which ones are you talking about? All the different promo pics. Like there's a planking one. Could you go through the different promo pics? They're great. The planking one was the first one we ever did, right? Yeah. It was the first photo shoot we did. And uh, it just. Oscar. It, with Oscar? Yeah, that was when we Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. It just. We, we kind of weren't interested in sort of being like, you know? We just wanted to do something interesting. Every photo is great. Like, is a pots and pans one? Yeah, that's the good one in the museum. What are some of the different ones that you really enjoy? How many have there been? And whose ideas was for each one? Like, I love them. Like, the one on, like, the barbed wire. Oh, yeah, that's... Um, actually, that's the back of a baseball uh, pitch. And um, we climbed it, and then we were lying down and they that's were probably my, that's probably my favourite one yeah. also because Dan from our label was freaking out about us climbing it he really didn't want it to happen yeah. but we pushed it through and he would have taken a picture if it happened right well you mean if we fell yes he would have still taken a photo right well that would have been like the perfect promo yeah I mean yeah I like the following pics you have as well like the falling over ones oh yeah that's actually my least favourite the the ones we took in California but we just took yeah. Yeah, they, I think they. Well, there's, there's a few, but there's one which seems to get used for all of our promo, and it's, I just I like it the least, which is annoying. What's the Legends Barber Shop like? Um, it's small, and they uh, they they shave you with bare bare razor blades. Darius does it to you. Darius does it. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. How did you discover that place? Uh, the, I think the Guardian booked it, right? Yeah. Pretty much <laughs> Really cool story Yeah Well that's good So we got something Out of the interview yeah. I guess you get Dr. Dre Vinyl From Nardor And you get a Shave from the Guardian <laughs> Yeah they, they look after us The Guardian They like to shave us I'm pretty sure We actually paid for the shave Not the Guardian I'm 95% sure That really? we paid well, Yeah we, we requested That we went to A barber shop yeah. To get the shave We thought it would be A good idea So we met them there And then it was It was all taken care of What's throwy Whoa Throwy wow. Throwy's a game we invented. I think it's maybe one of the most perfect games I can imagine. But basically, it's all about... It's basically, you get in a circle. You don't have to be in a circle, but it works well. And you basically get a bottle of water to the right um, weight by pouring some water out. A Puffle. And then you throw it to each other. But instead of throwing it and just catching it, you've got to absorb the energy of it, how it's coming in, the angle. You've got to take it and, like, move that energy around to someone else and then throw it. So you can't catch it and stop you've got to keep the energy going so it um it gets pretty interesting yeah. that's very like psychic pyramid power that's really awesome you have that energy part mathematical too kind of it's very yogic if you like i do tom you're the drummer of alt j now are you the only one out there that plays a saucepan who else does the saucepan i've never come across anybody uh but I'm sure you have I've, seen some, I've definitely seen some homeless guys Playing oh, yeah, pots yeah, and pans yeah. That's true Yeah um, But I don't actually use it at the moment Because I, I can't mount it anywhere And it just it's just annoying It flips around all over the place So yeah It's pretty amazing though Saucepan But you've been doing that for years Like you used to crawl into the kitchen And grab all the little kitchen utensils I, I did uh, Yeah I did That's what your dad said right? Yeah he did yeah. Take us back to those times uh, Well I I have very uh, faint memories of it Of sitting in the, against Against the wall for some reason, uh, in the kitchen, with with everything around me and the spoons, wooden spoons, using them just just to wind everybody up all the time. And I did that until uh, until I could walk, and then I then I got bored maybe. And then it got you into heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, going to yeah. 
Uh, was your band called Fubar? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. A metal band called Fubar. Yeah, yeah, from Harrogate. Yeah. Fubar, like F U, with the. It stands for fucked up beyond all recognition. <laughs> Which is pretty amazing because there's a great Canadian heavy metal movie called Fubar. Have you ever seen that? I haven't, no. It's out there. And also, there's a great Canadian comedian called Tom. Green. Tom Green, so you have a lot of Canadianisms there, totally. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Tom, on your Instagram, there is a picture of a naked guy pissing into a bucket. What is that? Okay, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a David Shrigley, uh, a David Shrigley sculpture, which he was showing in Manchester. And the idea is, you go and you see this sculpture and you draw the sculpture. And also on the Instagram, after the naked guy, I saw a big chunk of meat, and not his meat. <laughs> uh, um, I don't remember What was that big chunk of Lance, meat? Lance's steak at the CN Tower I'd be willing to bet Yes Well there's that Yeah That was recently That was uh, a huge chunk of steak Could you explain? Well that was Yeah Lance Our sound engineer uh, Ordered this this steak I can't remember what it was But it was like It was ridiculous It was like It still had a pulse It was bleeding And uh, he ate the whole thing And he's probably still hungry I reckon Yeah what about the massive pizza? There was a pizza pick too, wasn't there? Lance was lying next to it, I think, as well. Where is that from? This is fascinating stuff. Meat and cocks and pizza on the Instagram from Alt J. Yeah, that was that pizza was that pizza was uh, Los, An- Los Angeles, LA. We did a show, like a radio show, and they ordered this pizza, and it was it was the biggest thing I've ever seen. Not just pizza, and uh, Lance sometimes gets a bit crazy, and he laid on the floor and took a picture. What's Lance's background? Well, he grew up in uh, Springfield, Illinois, and he spent 15 years in Chicago. Uh, He's a drummer. He uh, was in various bands growing up. He's now a sound engineer. He has a family. He has uh, a wife called Amy and two children who are lovely. They're twins. Um, And we love Lance. You spent a lot of time with him on the bus, Joe. I know more about Lance than I do about anything else. (laughs) Gwil, you're from the band Alt J. But I was curious, are you into movies too? Not as much as Joe. Did you make a movie about a dinghy? Yeah, actually, with with Guy over there, yeah, I did. Could you please explain, what was this movie about a dinghy? Um, It was about a guy in Leeds who was unemployed for a year, so he explored the um, canals and waterways of Leeds in like an inflatable beach dinghy. So he was kind of an expert on the waterways and how to use them, so he made a film about him. Alt-J here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, but Alt-J also visited Milwaukee. We did, yeah. Was there a female stage invasion in Milwaukee? Oh, yeah. Well, we finished the set, and uh, normally we, we take our set list, sort of like peel it off the stage, and we hand it to someone at the front. Um, I did that because there's this, uh, this, like these two sisters. They look like sisters. They look similar, and they were quite young, and they were sort of staring us out during the the show so I thought I'd give it to them and this this woman next to them bounded on stage and sort of grabbed me and then uh, I think everyone decided to sort of like take their chance and jump like on stage in Lord of the Rings when they breach Helm's Deep yeah. and the orcs are just in yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. they were just flooding yeah. flooding onto Legolas the Legolas is trying to get get yeah. the man because he's, like, he's got the bomb down Legolas and he's like <laughs> their armour is weak at the shoulder yeah. and <laughs> anyway so that kind of happened there was no arrows or anything we didn't arrow our fans but they came up on stage and um people were hugging me and that was great and then some girl uh it was getting pretty heavy and some girl tapped me on the shoulder and turned me around and grabbed my face and gave me a 
heavy kiss on the cheek and then on the lips for about three seconds. So do you think it might have been the Black Widows from the Maple? I think it probably was. I think they're finally getting their chance. This yeah. sounds like an amazing moment for Joe and Alt-J, eh? It was yeah, probably great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I was on stage too, but they weren't interested. Yeah. yeah. I, I went How did you tell they weren't interested? They were all around Joe, and I, I was there like... And I was like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave here. Because, yeah, it wasn't happening. Guess of all, Jay, is it true that Alan Lomax stayed over at your grandma's house? Yeah, it's very true. Absolutely. Yeah. Could you please explain this? This is incredible. Yeah. Um, well, it was uh, probably sometime in the 50s, I think. And uh, he used to collect folk songs in Sussex. Uh, as I said, the Copper family from Sussex, very folky place. And they live in this really old cottage. And yeah, he stayed there. Yeah. What about the inspiration from that? Like, it must be a great place to write songs. Yeah, well, I mean, I've done, yeah, many times I've been to my grandparents and just uh, done weird shit, yeah. Merchandise. Is there an Alt-J voodoo doll? That was a one-off, which we got given in New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, we should probably make one, actually. Did you keep it or did you use it? Uh, we didn't use it and we didn't keep it. We lobbed it into the crowd. Really? Yeah, and they tore it apart, <laughs> like animals. <laughs> the traits, the individual traits of each member of Alt-J? Just winding up here. Could you describe the individual traits? Just go ahead. We'll start with Gus. Well, Gus, Gus is the um, most formally trained musician in the band and he's very good at languages, pronunciation and facts. And Joe? Joe is very creative. He's really, really good at drawing. Really good at drawing people. He can draw all of us really, really well. And he's pretty good at writing songs. And Tom? Uh, Tom is... I think Tom could be one of the best drummers in the world. And Gwil? Gwil, you can pretty much ask him anything, and even if it doesn't have an answer, he'll be able to figure it out. And Gwil? Gwil is a very keen surfer back in the day, very good at surfing. He is an all-round nice guy. And Gwil? Yeah, Gwil is generally a pretty good person to do things with. If you want to go to the shops, he'll probably come with you. But he can be be very, very mean. (laughs) And Gwil? Uh, if you may, if I get angry, I'm I'm aware that it can be quite scary. Well, thanks so much, Alt J. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Yes, it's, it's my birthday. Well, happy birthday, Gwil! Thank you. No, this is pretty exciting because what you do on your birthday, you do all year round. That's true. So that means you'll be getting interviewed and seeing me all year round. <laughs> that, uh, you know, if that happened all year round, that would make the year a better year. Well, thank you so much for the kind words, all Jay. Keep on rocking in the free world, and happy birthday. Doot-doodaloot-doo. Doot-doot. A weekend of touch, but a weekend of gold. Doing my God made from Lego. All the vows, vows, all your name. Keep your stay clean of me. I've been of you so many times this week. Those eyes open, goes I can't forget to fall asleep. The dark seeks dark. The dark seeks.
When sowing is over, then seed time comes round. See our teams, they are already preparing the ground. Then the man with his seed lip, he'll scatter the corn. Then the harrows, they will bury it to keep it from harm. Now seed time being over, then haying draws near. With our scythe rake and pitchfork, those meadows to clear. We will cut down their grass, boys, and carry it away. We will flood it to the green grass and then call it hay. When haying is over, then harvest draws near. We will send to our brewer to brew our strong beer. And in brewing strong beer, boys, we will cut down their corn. We will take it to the barn, boys, to keep it from harm. Now harvest being over, bad weather comes on. We will send for the thresher to thresh out the corn. His hand staff he'll handle, his swingel he'll swing. Till the very next harvest we'll all meet again. Now since we have brought this so cheerfully round, we will send for the jolly ploughman to plough up the ground. See the boy with his whip and the man to his plough. Here's a help to the jolly ploughman that ploughs up the ground. Now things they do change as the time passes on. I'm afraid I'll have occasion to alter my song. You'll see a boy with a tractor a-going like hell. Whatever farming is coming to, there's no tongue can tell. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the Copper Family with Seasons Round. And before that, Alt J with Miss MS. And before that, an interview with Alt J. And before that, the Watersons on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Gonna play something now by The Great Canadian Farmer. It's called The Great Canadian Farmer, and it's produced by John Deere Tractors. So here's one. It's actually sung by Tom Galland, but it's The Great Canadian Farmer by John Deere. So we're going to hear John Deere with The Great Canadian Farmer, and then going to follow it up with, I'm going to play as much as I can of Fred Bear, America's number one bow hunter, tells his secrets of hunting to Kurt Gowdy, America's number one sportscaster. So we have the American number one hunter 
telling America's number one sportscaster the secrets of hunting. We're going to play as much as we can on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Among modern day bow hunters, the name Fred Bear carries the same magic and respect as Robin Hood. Fred's long list of big game trophies now numbers more than 100. His exploits approach fiction, drowning, <laughs> downing a bull elephant with a single arrow, spending a sleepless night in the African veldt cornered by lions, returning to Alaska after being charged twice by angry polar bears to finally bag one on his third try. So, for the first time in hunting history, Fred Bear, America's number one bow hunter, reveals his secrets of hunting to Kurt Gow. America's number one sportscaster. Coming up right after the great Canadian farmer, because we got to breed him before we kill him, by John Deere. Here's the great Canadian farmer on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. Through the heartland of Canada he travels Through the summer sun, the winter snow and rain With the golden grain a-flowing And the big combines a-rolling Always moving with the harvest of our land Proud of living free, proud of this great country as he looks out from beneath his suntan brow Reaching out to feed the people of Canada, the world Moving to the beat of his own country drum He's everywhere in this great land He holds a good earth in his hands He's a friend the great Canadian farmer You'll find him on his way to the field Before the sun touches the morning And he'll still be out there with the last daylight You'll find him baling hay in Quebec and Manitoba Cutting wheat in Saskatchewan and Alberta Combining corn in Ontario Harvesting potatoes on Prince Edward Island And working his orchards in the Okanagan Valley And the Niagara Peninsula He's got a country girl for a wife and kids like everybody else And you'll find him in town visiting on a Saturday afternoon and Sitting in church on Sunday morning He knows the pride of standing watching that bumper crop stretch up to the sky And he knows the beauty of a soft gentle rain And how to break that top crust so Mother Earth can enjoy a refreshing drink You'll see him crying inside as he looks out on the hail-stripped stalks that put a whole year's work to death. The night before, he was to have reaped the harvest of his dreams. In the wintertime, you'll find him working on his tractor or combine, getting ready for the spring. He lives knowing that his crop can burn up in the summer sun or his house burned down on a winter night and help could never get there on time. You can count on him when the chips are down. His word is his bond and his honor. You'll find him sitting by the fire on a winter evening. Yes, he's more than a friend. He's the great Canadian farmer. 
He takes time to thank the Lord on Sunday morning. He finds beauty in the gentle springtime rain. He believes in this great country, in his neighbors and his friends, and he knows just where Canada begins. He's everywhere in this great land. He holds a good earth in his hands. He's a friend. He's the great Canadian farmer. He's a friend. He's a great Canadian farmer. He's a friend. He's a great Canadian farmer. Hi, this is Kurt Gowdy. I'm sitting around here at camp after a very enjoyable day of hunting with Fred Bear. Considered by most people the greatest archer hunter in America, also marvelous with a gun, I first met Fred through television outdoor series. Watched him in operation, had been with him. We struck up quite a friendship and we hunt and fish together now. Fred, I know you've been all over the world. How'd you ever get started uh, with your love for hunting? Well, my father was a hunter. I grew up in a farm in Pennsylvania. My father was a hunter, and he had me shooting a gun when I was six years old. This happens a lot of times. The father gets the boy interested, and it continues through the family. It's a great combination, yes. Well, you've, you've hunted now over 40 years with a bow and arrow, with a gun, and uh, I imagine uh, all over the world you've had some exciting things happened. You probably had some close escapes. You've, you've had a lot of wild incidents. You probably had some funny things. I'll, I'll bet you can really tell some stories. Well, I've had some uh, very interesting experiences, yes. Uh, uh, many of them. Some of them could have ended tragically. Fortunately, they did it. Some of them uh, ended uh, rather humorously. I've been charged twice by polar bears. The Eskimo had to gun them down. I spent a night in a, a wet night, a wet cold night in a tree with a grizzly bear wolfing down around the bottom. But I think the, uh, the most interesting experience I had that uh, could have turned out uh, tragically was uh, I was hunting uh, black bears in Alaska with a friend of mine named Bob Munger. Well, actually, I wasn't hunting. I was uh, doing photography. We were making a film and Bob was hunting with a bow and arrow. Uh, <clears throat> it was in the spring of the year, and uh, we were, had worked ourselves up onto a flat tundra-like area that uh, was very flat, except that uh, a little hammock uh, here and there with some trees growing out of it. And we saw in one of these uh, little clusters of trees a moose. We did a very good Indian sneaking job on him and get up to a good picture range. And I took uh, quite a few pictures, and finally I had all I wanted. And normally, uh, I like to sneak out in a case like that and take a little pride in having been able to do it without the animal seeing me. But in this case, Bob stood up and he waved his arms and yelled. He wanted to see the moose run off. But what we didn't know was this uh, cow moose had a calf. And cow moose, when you have a calf, are sometimes dangerous. And this one uh, took off after us. 
Well, my legs were a little longer than Bob's, and I quickly got the lead, and we were running through this uh, soft tundra, shedding cameras and bows and arrows and whatnot. And about 200 yards away was a uh, little hillock with one lone tree growing out of it that was uh, not big enough for the two of us, and I got there first and laid claim to it. There, was, there had been another tree there that uh, had died and blown over with the roots uh, sticking up in the air, and there was a hole underneath it. So I yelled to Bob to duck in the hole, which he did. And uh, w when he was in the hole, the moose paid no attention to him, came over to the tree I was on, began bumping it with their shoulder. But I was high enough. Well, about that time, Bob is out of the hole, and the moose saw him and took him for a turn around the tree, and then he ducked back in the hole. And I couldn't understand why he didn't stay in there, but uh, the moose came back to the tree then again, and then Bob is out of the hole again. And kept ducking in and out of the hole. Kept ducking in and out of the hole, yeah. And it didn't make sense, but uh, he started off across the tundra, and I yelled to him. I said, what's the matter with your head to get in the hole and stay there? And he said, I can't. There's a bear in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a situation. Yeah. I've seen you hunt. Polar bear. I, I, I saw a great show you shot in Alaska on a polar bear and the American sportsman. And uh, to me, it's amazing that big white bear and that white ice flows up there, and you were all in, in uh, white uh, hood and uh, uh, coat uh, to use as your camouflage. And how you killed that polar bear with a bow and arrow. When did you really get interested in, in bow and arrow hunting for big game? When did I get interested? Yeah. Uh, as I told you, I learned to hunt uh, with my father with a gun. And uh, I hunted that way for about 20 years. And then I got interested in the bow and arrow. Uh, the, I killed the largest deer I ever saw or really heard of with a gun. And it was really kind of easy. And I decided I wanted a little harder way. So I took up the bow and arrow. And that's, that's the way I got into the bow business. Yes, <clears throat> the polar bear is a magnificent animal. <clears throat> uh, all bears have great dignity. They do, you're right. They have great dignity. That, that, that's a good word. And if you, if, if you know that, you can escape trouble a lot of times. If you push a bear a little bit too much, then he may come at you. But if you just hesitate just a minute to allow a dignified retreat, you're not in trouble anymore. But there's one thing about bear hunting. First place, you shouldn't uh, shoot female bears with cubs. Uh, and if you do mess around with them, then is when you're apt to get in trouble. The boar bear will rarely give you any trouble. He's, uh, well, he hasn't any cubs to protect. He's strictly on his own, and he's only interested in saving his skin. But the female bears are the ones that give you the trouble. Uh, the polar bear, uh, I have great respect for. He can, out on that bleak ice pack, uh, make himself a pretty good living. And he does it mostly by catching seals. And the seal will lie out in the sun by a hole, by an escape hole, with his nose right on it. And he, his head is up, looking around about 15 seconds out of every minute. He's, he catnaps, so to speak, or seal naps. He knows he's in danger. He knows he's in danger, yes, and he's, his head is up once a minute, and he scans the horizon, and it's down again. Like, like the old uh, 
when the geese come into the cornfield, there's always one of them with right. his head looking around, and, yeah. and he's going to warn the other. Yeah, but if there are a dozen seals in, in an area, they all have their heads up. Well, anyhow, the polar bear has to be a great hunter, and he must, with all his bulk and size, and with his black nose and black eyes and black uh, claws, must sneak up close enough to spring on that seal before he can get down the hole, and that takes a lot of doing. He is, the polar bear is a great hunter. He's the best hunter of all the animals I know of. He really is. Oh, I, he is. I wouldn't think that. He's so big and cumbersome, you'd think. Uh, of course, uh, I guess with a white uh, body against the white snow, he must be stealthy and quiet, huh? Well, the Eskimos say they have the black nose, which is a giveaway. Mm -hmm. The Eskimos say in this sneak, which I've never seen, that they will cover their black nose with their paw so that the seals can't see them. That's a little hard to believe, but uh, it could be possible. I don't know. Fred, in your hunting in North America, <clears throat> I know you love to hunt the white-tailed deer. Why? Well, <clears throat> the white-tailed deer, in my opinion, uh, is the smartest game animal that there is today. That's going to surprise a lot of people. Well, I say this, <clears throat> that anyone who uh, can successfully hunt the white-tailed deer is qualified to hunt any animal. And the only difference, and the only difference in the hunting technique is brought about by the terrain, not the animal. Really, the the sheep is supposed to be an exotic animal, and it is. Mm -hmm. And he's supposed to be real, real smart. High altitude, rocky crags. He is tough to get to, but uh, he doesn't have the, the mental capacity that the white-tailed deer has. You must remember that the sheep is lying up on the side of a mountain, and he can see all around. But he can be approached from above very easily. He, his ears are not as good. His nose isn't as good. His eyes are excellent. They're, they're um, probably beyond the white-tailed deer. But he can be approached. The, the only difference is the physical exertion to climb up to where he is. That's where the, the secret of sheep hunting. But actually, if you put a white-tailed deer up in that same position, he would be harder to approach than the, deer, than the sheep is. He's that smart. Yeah. See, the white-tailed deer uh, <clears throat> can live near civilization. He can live, I have a buck living within 100 yards of my home in Grayling. And he's been there all during this deer season that's just now closing and the hunters are running all over the woods. They won't hunt close to town because there can't be anything there, in their opinion. But this deer is smart enough to stick close to my house and uh, he's going to avoid the hunters and he's going to live through the winter. Well, what are your tips uh, to hunt white-tailed deer then if there's a smart? Well, to hunt them with a bow, and also to hunt them with a gun. First, you must remember, in, in, uh, in hunting with a bow, in uh, most states, there is a separate earlier season to hunt with a bow and arrow. So that makes a hunting technique a little bit different than in the later gunning season, uh, when the weather's different and when there are more hunters. In the bow season, uh, there aren't too many hunters around, and uh, the deer are pursuing their natural habits. They're walking trails, and they're going to a feeding ground, returning from it, and going to a bedding uh, ground at approximately the same times. <clears throat> Not the same times every day, because that varies too. A deer is, well, all animals. Uh, their movements are governed by their stomach, by food and water.
Uh, mo many people think that a deer will, most of them feed at night, or they do most of their feeding at night. They think they go out and feed all night, and then they go and to a bedding area and bed down all night, or all day. Well, this is not so. In the feeding ground at night, they are up and down, and the cycle is roughly about two hours. They fill their stomach, and they digest it, and they're up filling it again. The same is true in the, uh, in the daytime when they're in the so-called bedding grounds, and the bedding grounds are thicker cover. They go in there for safety. They have learned from their association with man that he's not ramming around the woods at night, but in the daytime he is, and they better get in the thickest cover that they can. You can uh, intercept these deer, and one of the ways that the archers do it is to find a runway or trail that might look like a cow path. And they build a blind along it, not too far away. The blind has to be maybe 20 yards, 25 yards away from the blind, from the trail. And uh, downwind, of course, because the deer have a very powerful nose. The blind is built uh, like you'd build a duck blind with brush stuck up or logs or whatever material is available. You don't import any foreign material because the deer would see it. The blind has to be uh, large enough so you can swing the bow, and the bow is, uh, uh, requires a lot more room than a gun because you have to push it out at arm's length and then you have to draw it back. The blind should be built low. In other words, don't fence yourself in and depend on looking through holes. The blind is to cover the lower part of the body and the head should have a, you should have a good view because it's important in all hunting to see your game first. That's one of the methods <clears throat> of hunting the white-tailed deer. And the blind hunting is good from daylight for about two hours and the last two hours in the evening because that is when deer are normally moving from the bedding ground to the feeding ground or vice versa. During the, uh, the remainder of the day, during the middle part of the day, and here <coughs> is uh, an instance where hunters don't quite understand all the time, they think that uh, during the middle part of the day, that's the time you should go to camp or go home for lunch or take a nap. Really, you, you, you go into the bedding areas and deer move about during that time. They don't go over to the feed ground. They move about and uh, nip on grass or whatever there's food there is available during this middle part of the day. And it's uh, uh, to, uh, to get a deer, you have to try and approach him when he's on foot. If he's lying down, it's pretty tough. They're hard to see. They're in the brush and uh, they will face downwind so they can see you coming if you're coming up wind. about the wind. <laughs> the, the, the children in this country have read about sneaking up with a, you know, with uh, into the wind all the time, not at your back. Uh, this means something, right? Well, yes, and it means something, and the deer know that. Actually, the deer think you can smell them, too. You must remember that, always. All animals, they can smell you, so they think you can smell them. Well, they watch downwind, and uh, you're coming upwind. Actually, crosswind is a better way to hunt. Crosswind. Crosswind is a better way to hunt, yes. You have a little bit of an advantage there. Now, <clears throat> uh, how to hunt other than the blind? Well, on the blind, of course, you build it and you sit there, and you have to sit quietly. You try to make your blind as comfortable as possible so you won't have to move around too much. And you just sit there and wait for a deer to come along. Now, that is uh, not the most exciting way, but it is the most productive way to get a deer. The, uh, the, the kind of hunting that I like and the kind that is exciting is uh, known as still hunting.
which simply means that you sneak around in the woods until you see an animal. And uh, in the case of a gun, when you see it, you are usually close enough for a shot. But that's not true with the bow. Uh, when you see, a, let's say, a deer, uh, you have, you're faced with the problem of uh, getting close enough to it for the bow and arrow. And the bow and arrow range is 20 to 30 yards. Now, many animals are killed a great uh, distance is a great deal larger than that, but the effective range of the bow, if you want to place your arrow where, you, where it should be, is 20 to 30 yards. And what you're doing, you, you're, when you're still hunting, you're invading the domain of the deer. This is his home. He knows every path. He knows every tree, practically every leaf. And you don't. You're and a stranger. he has superb senses. Oh, yes. And it's very difficult. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, The Secrets of Hunting, featuring Fred Bear and Kurt Gowdy. Coming up right now, going to play the track Kill Me Now by the Ketamines, who are playing tomorrow night in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the rickshaw with the Ballantines and a whole bunch of other bands. It's tomorrow night, the Ketamines from Lethbridge, Alberta. Alberta, just remember Alberta, which is really kind of important for this next little theme that I'm going to try to parlay right here because not only going to play the ketamines with Kill Me Now, going to play some Alberta-themed records and in some Ontario-themed records, some Canadian-themed provincial records. But right now, here is, we're going to hear Kill Me Now by the ketamines. And again, they are playing tomorrow night at the rickshaw in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Here's the ketamines on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show.
Rockies If not, there's a place you must see Where the cottonwood seeds fill the ground in the spring In this beautiful valley lies Calgary It's a wondrous sight in the morning To look west to the giants so free To look east to the prairies and north to the hills All of this glory in Calgary Out here on the prairies High above the sea Snuggled in front of a rocky mountain Five miles A raging waterfall I am an ocean All wheat fields going tall I am a river And I must My mom is as rich as can be But wow. I'm just wow. happy just singing my song For I'm a cowgirl in Calgary Out here on the prairies High above the sea Snuggled in front of the rocky mountains Lies my home
keep on a growing and history will show a land of promise that knew its way to go this is alberta the land of sun telling you all that we've just begun with our eyes upon tomorrow and our faces to the sun we're partners in a dreamful fair With our eyes upon tomorrow And the wilderness we've won Alberta Though the Nash on a thorny, 
to the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard there as I grab it from the turntable, bring the 45 over to you. You just heard Montreal Island City by the Honey Dreamers. Montreal, Quebec. And before that, we heard Ontario on, uh, hopefully we, hopefully you did not leave CITR. You're listening again to CITR FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Hopefully you did not leave the CITR broadcast range or unplug your computer. We heard Ontario, Ontario by the Verkhovnia Trio. Ontario, Ontario. And before that, we heard Alberta under the sun. Alberta. Alberta composed and sung by Tom Northcott, a British Columbian. How does that work? And before that, we heard, to begin, Terry Lane sings Calgary. Well, actually, to begin, we heard the Ketamines, who are playing tomorrow night at the Rickshaw with the Ballantines in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with Kill Me Now. And right now, to end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, going to play a selection by Pocket Caligula, 
Pocket Caligua, thank you again for sending me your CD. Really enjoyed the last one. And we're going to check out right here the new black by Pocket Caligua on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
Who are you? I'm Jello Biafra, and I've been spending way too much time